So if I ask you a question, how, how many of you have got faith in Jesus? That's pretty good, okay. And that would include little ones, wouldn't it? So um, uh, I remember um, David, when he was three, was playing outside our, <coughs> um, our house. That's uh, when we lived in Biggin Hill, and he was playing with his little mate from next door, and uh, Christopher fell over and hurt himself. And because uh, there was serious business of playing to, to, to continue with, David decided that he needed to intervene. So he knelt down, <coughs> laid a hand on Christopher, said, be healed in Jesus' name, and up Christopher got and ran off playing. So, so um, I just want to know that if you've got the Holy Spirit with you, <coughs> you have more power than you can imagine. And that doesn't matter how old or young you are. Is that true? So if, you, if you're born again today, you have a power source within you that is literally beyond measure. So I was just thinking about this. How many of you got electricity at home? <laughs> got electricity at home? <laughs> how many of you access that electricity? Not many of you. <laughs> kind of silly to have electricity in the house and not use it. Actually, in many ways, you use it with all sorts of unseen ways um, that just become part of life. They're things that are plugged in, you know, boilers and stuff that just, they're, they're running all the time. But actually, there's some new things. Maybe you buy something new. In order to get the benefit out of it, you've got to plug it in, haven't you? You've got to be plugged into the system. Um, and, and faith is a lot like that, 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 that there are things that you've got running in the background of your Christian life you don't even take any notice of, but they're actually plugged into a, to a power source. But there's new things God wants to add to you, which you actually have to deliberately plug in to get used to them. Get used to, does, that, does that make sense to you? That, so if you buy a new device and it's it needs electricity, you say, well, we've got electricity in the house and I've got a device, but neither of that's any use if you don't make the connection. Okay? Um, so... There'll be certain areas of your Christianity where you have uh, an assurance of faith, and that is great faith. So, so I want to tell you already, this is not, I'm not here to tell you you haven't got faith. I'm telling, here to tell you that you have, and you've got an opportunity to grow in faith. And that, that's wherever you're starting from, you've got an opportunity to grow in faith. Does that make sense? Because God's got a lot more goodies ready for you. How, how big is God? Very big, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam, our, Sam, our grandson, he's got the idea that, that God's definitely the biggest person in you know, existence. So, um, and he's definitely the best person. And um, the other, other, other week, David was carrying Sam on his shoulders across our church car park. And Sam decided that he was the tallest person around because he was sitting on daddy's shoulders, which is not bad. So then he said, ah, oh, but I'm not taller than God, am I? Then he, just, then he had to try and work out how... And his question generally was, how does God get in his car? Yeah, he does, does God have to <laughs> duck down to get in his car? Because it's this concept that, that somehow... So he's a big God, and he's just... Sam's trying to get to terms with how big... And how would God get in a car? Now, that, that's a good question. <laughs> how, how would Jesus get in a car? Um, I want you to turn with me to a, to a verse that I think is really instructive. And... and uh, and I'm going to scratch the surface of this subject, and I do want to make sure we have time to pray together and you to receive from God. I have written a book called Unwrapping Lazarus, which got a subtitle called Free to Live as God Intended. I brought some of those with me today, and so they're available to you. That, that'll tell you a little bit more about me. I know Simon's read it, so... Uh, excellent read. Excellent read. And 
I'll make it easy by saying they, they cost £10 and you don't have to worry about change and you just chuck it in, in the box and we'll work with that. But seriously, if you want one of those, I'm actually writing a book about faith at the moment, which is, because um, I believe it's, it's the biggest, one of the biggest subjects in, in Christianity. Um, Christianity is actually called the faith. Uh, it's, you know, that's in, in the New Testament. It's called the faith because without faith, it, it doesn't work. Because what, I want to tell you this, that faith is basically the connection between you and God. You, know, you can have God's there, I'm here, but actually it's like a, a, you know, a, an appliance and electricity. Unless the connection is made, then, then you don't get the, the, the full potential out of what is there. So it's always nice saying, well, I've got a Christian life, and you look at it, but if it's not plugged into the source of power in all its fullness, then it just it becomes a bit of a spectacle rather than something that has, has a dynamic impact upon the world. Okay, so, so look at John chapter 14, verse 12. Okay, we got it there? So I want you to read it before I read it, and then I want you to ask yourself a question, do you believe it? Okay, it's in the Bible, so I know, you, I know you're going to acknowledge it. You've got to believe it's true, haven't you? You wouldn't say it's not true, but I, that's not the question I'm asking. Is, are you connected to this truth? Or is it just a, a verse in the Bible that you acknowledge is true, but there's no real connection between you and it? Because if you connect to this truth, and I always find it fascinating, every, every now and then you find where in the Gospels Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Well, Jesus always told the truth. So when he says, I'm telling you the truth, he's, he's underlining something. He says, this is something to really take notice of. So who can do works of Jesus? Anyone who has? Now, you've already told me. I'll call you out already, you see. You've already told me you've got faith. <laughs> and I know you've got... If you've been born again, I know you've got faith because actually God had to give you your faith to be born again. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't even say He gave you a gift, right at the word go, so that you could be born again. So if you're born again, you qualify. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. Now, how about how many of you fancy doing the works of Jesus? Does that sound good? You're up for that. How many of you are struggling to understand that you could do even greater works than Jesus did? That's a struggle. And, and I haven't got time to go into that in great detail, but I understand why it's a struggle. But you have to, you have to work out why it's a struggle, because Jesus said it, so it's true. But we, sh- we will struggle. Now, I think most of us will struggle with the first bit, let alone the second bit. But then he says, okay, this is going to happen because what? Because Jesus is going to the Father. Now, what does he mean by that? So if we do, I'm going to do a little praise like, 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 like some have done. I'm, I'm, I like these little Bible praises. So here's a praise of, 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 of the good news of Jesus. <coughs> Jesus was born as a man. Jesus is God, born as a man. Okay? You can nod along. This is not going to be tricky theology. Okay? Lived a sinless life. Perfect life. Perfect life is not just sin avoidance. It's actually doing all the works that God has called him to do. Jesus' life was not, not centered around not sinning. Jesus' life was, was doing all that the Father put in front of him. Your Christianity is not centered around not sinning. It's doing all that God has put in front of you. That, that, there, there's, a, there's a deception in Christianity that, that the best thing you can do as a Christian is avoid sin. Somehow, somehow keep yourself from sin. Now that's, that's, that's a very, very limited perspective. 
that the devil tries to keep us locked in. Our, 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 our preoccupation is not sin and its avoidance. My preoccupation is God and who he is. There's a big difference between those two. Okay. So, Jesus lived the sins. Then he died on the cross. Now, what he did on the cross was took all my sin away. So I don't have to concentrate on it. How much of your sin did Jesus take away? All of it. Isn't that amazing? Past, present, and future. All done. Wow. Woo-hoo. That means you can approach his throne with confidence because you go into the holy of place completely free of your sin. You have free access to the Heavenly Father. Wow. Okay, so, so Jesus did that. After, after <coughs> he died on the cross, obviously he went down, he was buried, and he came alive again after the three days. And he came alive because he's coming into new life, and the reason for that is that he's given you new life. See, Jesus didn't just die for your forgiveness, he came to give you life and life in all its fullness. How are we doing on this? Is a decent pricey so far? We're doing all right. Just looking at... <coughs> Okay, now, after Jesus rose from the dead, what did he do? Tells you there. He went back to the Father. So where is he seated now? At the right hand. He's seated in heavenly places. <coughs> Who did he take with him to be seated in heavenly places? Us. Us. Where are you seated right now? Well, on a chair in a school in Southampton, but you actually have a, 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 a spiritual reality that you are seated with him in heavenly places. Do you believe that? It's in the Bible. I'm, I'm not, not kidding you. Okay, so, so, so that's a perspective. So you can actually have heaven's perspective on, on what, is, what is going on on planet Earth. Then having done that, what was the next bit that, that Jesus did? He sent the Holy Spirit upon all flesh, so that we can experience God in this reality, understanding heaven's perspective. How's that? Does that sound good? So if you've been born again, you've already received the Holy Spirit. Who is a, it says he's, a, he's, a, he's a, a seal guaranteeing your, your inheritance. There's a deposit there already within you, but there's far more for you to discover. So is God infinite and eternal? This is not tricky theology. I'm just giving you this. This is feeding you easy stuff. He's infinitely eternal. Therefore, the opportunity of connecting with him is literally limitless. And the potential of your life is also without limit. Even such that you can do greater works than Jesus did. And that's possible because you've got the heart of a father urging you on as his children. It's our delight as parents to see the development of David and, uh, and Kerry and obviously Joe and our grandchildren. And we, we, we're trying to build a foundation, a platform in life that they, they build upon. Yeah? That, that's how progress happens. Not that say, hey, we had it tough, you have it tough. <laughs> no, we, 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 we built through some stuff so you, you can go further than us. That, that's what, that, that, so you've got a father in heaven who says, actually, you could do even greater works. Now, I find that extraordinary humility on the part of God. That just leads me to worship. Some of you might say, well, what's a greater work? Because how can you do greater than raising the dead? Um, and I have raised the dead. Okay, so that, that's... Um, just to say that in passing, but that's not the greatest work. I believe greatest work is, is changing nations. 
I believe healing. I love seeing the sick healed. I love, love seeing the sick healed. But I don't like praying for my grandchildren to be healed. Do you know why? Because I prefer them not to be sick in the first place. Their sickness does not bring joy to my heart, raising them out of their sickness. But healing is not the end of Christianity. Healing is to give life back so people can live life in all its fullness. So I like the fact that I never pray for anybody with smallpox because it's been eradicated from planet Earth. I'd like to see AIDS, HIV eradicated. It's one of my dreams. I want to see dementia eradicated. We have a dream that in our area, dementia will not be able to exist because it doesn't exist in heaven, so why should I tolerate it on earth? Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If I understand where I'm seated, I have authority from heaven and I have the Holy Spirit here inside me to actually execute heaven's plans on planet earth. How many of you, how, seriously, how many of you would like to see dementia eradicated? Yeah, you're all in for that. Well, how's that going to happen? I've got to believe it's possible. And we have seen evidence of this in Eastgate. We have a um, story of a lady in the Faroe Islands who was uh, suffered with Alzheimer's. She had quite early onset Alzheimer's. We had a mission team went up there, and they were. This lady was. She was travelling around with the mission team, and they were on a. a a coach one day, and there were these gasps from the front of the coach as, as, as the people who no, have known her for 20 years realised that she was writing. And she wrote a love letter to her husband. She hadn't written anything for 20 years. Husband was overwhelmed because he says, I've got my wife back. We had a man come into our, our building at Eastgate, and I don't understand all the ramifications of this, but it makes me think. Is while he was in his building, he had dementia, while he was in our building, he was in his right mind. When he left our building, he got his dementia back. That makes me think it's possible in the presence of God. My responsibility is to create environments where that presence is, is, is experienced much more broadly than just in our building, but throughout society. Yeah? And faith is the way this works. Because faith, faith is a simple thing. Faith is not, not, not a belief system. Faith is a relationship. My connection to God is what faith is about. <coughs> remember there, there's a lady who was um, she was bleeding for 12 years and she said if I can just touch Jesus if I can just connect with him I will be healed why? because she knew that she was going to connect to a power source that had enough authority and power in it to relieve her of her suffering and she said all I need to do is touch him that's all we need to do all we need to do is make connection all we need to do as Christians is help, help people connect to the living God and watch him do what he alone can do that's what faith does. And it's an adventure. And it's an extraordinary adventure. And I love it. I've been on this adventure for more than 40 years now. And I'm just more excited now than I ever have been. Because I've discovered more of who God is. See, the problem, how many of you, I'm not going to ask for hands up, but how many of you get a little bit bored with your Christianity from time to time? Think, oh, goodness. There must be more than this. You ever sung that song? There must be more than this. Oh, goodness. <laughs> 
Well, there is. I you, there is. There is absolutely no reason to be ever bored with Christianity because there is more than enough to discover. And faith buys you things that money can't. So your faith is worth more than gold. So, praying for a lady who's profoundly deaf, who has young children, who wakes up the next day and hears her baby cry for the first time. You can't buy that. Praying for a, <coughs> a lady who's got, an uh, elderly lady, she's got one eye that's completely opaque, completely, completely opaque. And as I pray for her, her eye becomes clear and she sees through it. Praying for a, a baby who's just died in the wilds of Mexico. She died of amoebic dysentery, dehydration. Seeing her come back to life and giving back to her mum. You can't buy that. Because your faith is actually worth more than gold. Your faith can achieve things that, that no human resource could ever achieve. doesn't matter how much money you throw at something, you can't raise somebody from the dead. Even Bill Gates' foundation doesn't have that power. But you do inside you. And anyone who has faith in Jesus has this much power. So, so my question is, is, how much are you using? Most of us have got computers with more power and resource than we ever access. I reckon I, I, reckon I access about 5% of my computer's potential. How much of Christianity am I accessing? Yeah. So I want to just give you a few tips, okay, of how you can grow in faith. <coughs> this will be really quick, It'll be headline news, really. Um, so <coughs> in 1 Corinthians 2, it talks about your faith not resting on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Our faith doesn't depend upon human rationality. It depends on who God is, and he's powerful. Therefore, experience his power just for experiencing its sake. I prayed for some people yesterday, and it, it doesn't bother, bother me whether it happens or not, but I know that when, when I pray for people and God's powers at work, things will happen. So some people fall on the floor. Some people go, what happened there? I said, that's God. And that's fine, isn't it? You say, whoa, we don't do that in our church. Well, you just lost the connection. Don't say, God's allowed to be God. Yeah. And he is powerful, and he'll do stuff that will stretch your thinking because it's, he's not subject to your rationality we have stuff appearing in Eastgate on a regular basis we call it glittery stuff sometimes it turns into to little stones and um, you know, it just comes and goes it's around sometimes sometimes we have a flurry of it and then we don't see it for a while but actually it's usually around it turns up in it turns up in homes it turns up on trains it turns up at people's workplaces it, it's it, you know it's and people say, well, what's it about? I said, I'd, well, it's about all sorts. But I'm just amazed that God can create something out of nothing. That's enough for me. I don't need to know more than that. I just connected to the creator. And if he can do that, I'm impressed. So there's a lady in our, in our environment. She needs two new kidneys and a new liver. She saw this. One day she picked, picked a little bit of this sort of glittery stuff up, put it on her hand, and as she put it in her hand, it turned into a stone. She said, 
Now I believe God can give me two new kidneys and a new liver. Because what faith is, faith is connecting to an unseen realm. It says, actually, we don't fix our eyes on what is seen, but on what is unseen. The mysteries. And sometimes the unseen comes in to our physical reality. So it's a sign and a wonder. Because it gives you an opportunity to, to connect to a realm that isn't just a human resource one. And we need to make sure we connect to that. Okay. Faith comes by hearing. Romans 10 verse 17. Faith comes by hearing. That means I keep listening. That means I've got a continuing relationship with God. Faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by keeping on listening. And I said last night, you know, Abraham heard from God to sacrifice Isaac. But I say it's a good job he kept on listening. Otherwise he would have killed the promise. And so in Christianity you should never park on what you've just previously heard unless it's an ongoing listening. And I know some of those. So God told us in 2004 he would place us to the east gate to a city when there was no city. We, 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 sort of, we, we decided we knew where we were going. We placed ourselves we, and we, we, we built this, well, we didn't, but we built this magnificent building uh, under God's great guidance and blessing and with great sort of faithfulness and sacrifice from a lot of people. Three months after we, we, we opened our building, the government announced that the, the building area that we in was actually going to be the newest city in the United Kingdom. We are literally st- stood at the east gate to this newest city. We are the east gate to the city of, of, of it's called Ebbsfleet Garden City, and we are the worship and community centre for a new city. Over the course of that time, because we, we had to battle for 10 years or more to get that building. <coughs> And every now and then people say, well, oh, it'd be easier to buy a warehouse. Much, and we say, okay, well, what, what's God said? And is he still saying it? Yes, because now I've got faith. Faith comes from hearing, okay? <clears throat> faith needs to be put into action. Faith you receive as a gift, 1 Corinthians 12, which we're going to do in a short while. You up for good, goodies from God today? So get ready to receive. So if you ask, you will... You already have received. I know if you're born again, you've already received the gift of faith. It, it, it's, it's, it's absolutely cast uncertain because you, you can't be born again unless he's given you the gift in the first place. So does he want to give you more? Yes. Are you ready for more? Hopefully. Yeah. <clears throat> How do you interact with testimonies? You know, so I've, I've thrown out some, some stories today. The way you, you actually interact with, with the stories will determine whether you get the good out of them or if you dismiss them, whether actually they're lost to you and you become cynical about them. Does that make sense? The, the way you interact, it says, it's Luke, Luke 8.18, it says, listen carefully how, how you... Um, pay attention to how you listen. He who has, more will be given. He who has not, even what he has, will be lost to him. The opportunities you have through, through, through stories, through, through, through experiences that people will share with you are an opportunity for you to grow in faith. But if you don't take hold of them, if you dismiss them, you actually go backwards rather than forwards. I love that picture. Of, we talked about that, that picture of the round swimming pool. If that, that's because everybody's going in the same direction in a continual basis and they create a current. What would happen if everybody was, decided they were going different ways or you kept on turning around? You wouldn't get anything but turbulence. 
you don't get momentum. <clears throat> so we need to make sure we, we line ourselves up with faith when we're listening to things. Um, how about this one? Fear of, overcoming your fear of failure. A few years ago, um, we had uh, teams from our school went out doing treasure hunting in Gravesend. And treasure hunting is where we, we listen to God, he gives us clues, and uh, we line, line them up with, with people, and we go and then search them out as treasure. We usually introduce ourselves, this might sound a bit strange, but we're on a treasure hunt, and we believe you're our treasure. It gets people's interest. Usually, most people are open, and it's amazing. We've encountered, what, thousands of people in the streets of Gravesend in, that, in the last few years? And nearly everyone is willing to interact with us. Many, many receive prayer, we've seen healings and all sorts of things going on. So one day, there's, our teams went out, they got their clues, and they looked and they thought, oh, that guy over there, he matches our clues. They go up to him and says, um, might sound funny, we're on the treasure hunt, uh, these are the clues, you match the clues, uh, we think you're our treasure. He says, no, I'm not interested, get out of it. So how, how do you think that, that team felt? Disarmed, failed, disappointing. Guy goes down the street, another one of our teams, got a set of clues, Oh, this is our guy. Go up to him, says, this might sound funny, we're on a treasure hunt. Uh, here's the clues. We think you're our treasure. Will you let us pray for you? No, not interested. Second team, not feeling so good. Failure? Guy goes down the road. Third team. Got the clues, thinks this is our guy. They go up to him and say, <coughs> we think you're our treasure. He says, who are you people? Who are you people? What is going on here? He had a, a mashed up ankle, really bad ankle, um, was, was walking with a stick and a limb. They allowed him, he allowed them to pray for him. It was just before Christmas. When we got back into the office after Christmas, there was a message on the, on the office answer phone. It was this guy who found out our phone number. He said, what you need to know is this, that <clears throat> just after I was prayed for, I went back to the hospital, I had my MRI scan, my pain's completely gone and the MRI scan is completely normal. I want to know more. Tell me more. Wow. Would you have felt a failure if you were the first one? First team, yeah. Particularly if you didn't know the end of the story. Often you don't know the end of the story. Fortunately, we know the end of that story. There are many stories we do not know the end of, but we stepped out in faith. Stepping out in faith is never a failure. It's always a risk, it's always a risk, but if you do it in faith, it's never a failure. Okay? Overcoming disappointment. How many of you pray for the sick and, and not, not seen it work, so to speak? Disappointed? Frustrated, rightly so, because it shows you care. If you're not frustrated and disappointed, you probably don't care in the first place. We're meant to care. How do you overcome disappointment? And I'll tell you this, and I could tell you more detail, but you know, my mum died of cancer. It wasn't pleasant, and we prayed for her, but she didn't get healed. I was disappointed. I was grieving, and what, what I need to do at that moment is I still need to connect to God. If I distance myself from God at that moment, I just distance myself from the source of what I need. What I didn't need at that moment was healing. What I needed was comfort. Who's the comforter? I connected. My faith connected. In the moment of greatest disappointment is one of the greatest opportunities for growing in faith. Because I connected to the comforter. I connected to my daddy in heaven who loved me. 
He restored my hope. And cutting a long story short, nine years later, a lady came to our healing centre with exactly the same cancer that killed my mum. She got prayed for, and when she had surgery 10 days later, they found no cancer whatsoever in her body. What happened, you see, because my mum spurred me on, I made the decision to not to be uh, incapacitated by my disappointment. I needed to connect. I needed to connect who God is. Yeah, He loves me. He's my comforter. And he restored my hope, and he gave me more faith to carry on the journey. Because faith is a journey. It's an ongoing journey, and it says it's a journey, <clears throat> and it's the assurance of things hoped for. Yeah? Faith is a short, so I've, I've, you're hoping for things, but faith is the thing that's going to make that come into being, but actually you need to keep hoping while you're en route. So, yeah? How many of you speak in tongues? As a, as a quick, remember when you first spoke in tongues? Hoped you weren't making it up, hoped it was real, hoped it was genuine. You worked at it through faith, and it becomes an assured part of your Christianity. I know of people who actually had a gift, weren't sure about it, lost it, and it actually isn't a part of their Christianity. No blame, but you know, it's like prophecy. You can prophesy in accordance with your faith. And you, if you, you can hope you can prophesy, or you can actually walk into the place where you know you can prophesy. <clears throat> Ooh, what else we've got to say? Be part of a community of faith. Nazareth... Nazareth was a community of unbelief, and Jesus couldn't do miracles there. That's a challenging story. You need to build that momentum of faith as a community. I would hate to think that Jesus couldn't do his miracles here. Connect to the unseen realms, talked about manifestations. Um, And then let, let me say this lastly. I do love the guy in the Bible. He's in in Mark chapter 9, says this, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. That describes every one of us. You can look at me here and think, well, that guy, he doesn't struggle. You know, I'm not struggling, but I recognize that I have areas where unbelief is, is, is restricting my access to the full potential of Christianity. I've got areas where I've got belief sorted out, but there are areas where I'm still en route. Does that make sense? And what do I need to overcome the unbelief? I need to keep moving forward. I just need to keep moving forward, trusting God, keep connecting to Him. It's all about that relationship with Him and recognizing that the Holy Spirit within me is spurring me on. I have God inside me. Is that amazing? That's, a, that's an outrageous statement, is it not? I know it's scripture, but it's still outrageous. Can you just... There is no way of understanding that statement, is there? Got God inside you? I know you have, Amy. You got God inside you? Yeah. You think, well, how does that work? I have no idea. It doesn't make sense. He's big. But he says it's true. See, the potential of your individual Christianity is beyond measure. What the potential of you together as a community is enough to change a city and a nation. And you can journey into that potential. 
Now, some things we see at Eastgate now, we do, they're the result of a long, a long journey. Some people say, well, I want that breakthrough moment. Well, you get breakthrough moments, but you have to then keep walking. Keep walking forward. I say, you know, one thing I said, it was by faith that Noah built an ark. It took him a long time, and he did the same thing most days. But he built something that saved the world. So faith is this extraordinary adventure of knowing who God is and then that becoming a reality in our everyday lives. And as you let this river flow, and it is, that's what, there is no limit to where it can flow to. Literally, literally no limits. And so Eastgate, this is one of the things, we, we just refuse to, to accept any limits. And when he turns up and does strange things, we think, that's strange, but that's God. Now, we work out if it's not God. You know, I'm not saying every strange thing is God, but you know, it, it's, he's, he's welcome to do whatever he likes in our environment. We let God do anything he likes? Bit of caution. Bit of caution. <laughs> Somebody said, is he safe? No, he's like Aslan. He's not safe, but he is good. He really is good. And he loves you beyond measure. He's your father in heaven. And he's got extraordinary things destined for you.